Live with CDP Sports Talk, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet. Live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. And on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Radio Public, and TuneIn. Now, here's your host, Chris Palme. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 17, Overall 347 of Live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles, or give them a call at 519-824-0210, or email them at info at barrycullen.com. Dot com. As always, Live with CDP Sports Talk is on radio station WQEE 99.1 FM in Noonan, Georgia, the home of Southern Talk in sports. I have some other news to share with you guys today, too. Live with CDP Sports Talk is now available on Instagram. So if you check me out on Instagram, uh, Chris Palme, just type in Chris Palme on Instagram. You'll be able to watch my radio and podcast show on Instagram live now. Thanks to StreamYard as well. And uh, if you're into webinars or podcasting, check out StreamYard.com as well. I hope everyone's doing well on this Friday, December 22nd, 2023. Uh, three days away, a couple of days away from Christmas. Hard to believe. Uh, it doesn't feel like Christmas here when our temperatures are in the 30s and 40s uh, with no snow. But I'm looking forward to my guest tonight. If you guys love basketball and hoops, I'm going to have uh, one of my guests on, Tex Green. He is um, a media journalist with the uh, Basketball League's uh, Raleigh Firebirds. And he's also an author of a book called The Overcoming Adversity about the 2010 NBA stars. So I'm going to bring on Tex Green right now, and we're going to talk some hoops. Hey, Good Chris. afternoon. Hey, Tex, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Good. How was that opening for you? That was, that was a pretty good opening, I got to say. So. Uh, you've been on a, and you have your own podcast show too, the 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 Raleigh Firebirds uh, show as well. And how often do you record an episode, and where is it available? Um, definitely not as often as you. I've been I've been taking a break from it recently, but during the season, I tr I've been trying to post about once a week. I think right now it's just available on Spotify. That's something I've been trying to work on in for the future. But yeah, podcasting is one of the realms of media that I'm a little bit newer to. So definitely trying to take notes here. Okay. Well, hey, I've been doing this for four years now, uh, almost 400 episodes with my other three shows. But believe me, I'm still learning something new all the time. And uh, when I started four years ago, I couldn't get any guests on and my show wasn't very good. But you know what? You just keep working at it, improving your work, be yourself. That's the one thing I'd give to you, Tex, when you're doing any kind of podcast radio show. Be yourself and and talk to your guests naturally, like I, the way we are now. I'd be talking to you the same way as if I was at the arena in Raleigh. Yeah, that's good advice. That's good advice. Hey, and and uh, you've already written a book, man. You're not even at a high school, and you've already written a book. Can you just tell us a little bit about that book, uh, Overcoming Adversity, the 2010 uh, NBA All Stars, and how did that come about, Tex? 
Yeah. So initially when everything shut down during the pandemic of 2020, I was a huge basketball fan. And every day um, I would talk to my mom about basketball and she does not care about basketball at all, really. I mean, like she's kind of a Knicks fan, but not, not, not really. So she eventually got tired of me ask, talking to her every day about basketball. And she was like, you need some way to like, just express yourself, talk about your days with someone that'll actually appreciate this besides me. And so that was initially what led to the creation of my basketball blog, the NBA blog. And so a few, I started writing on that and I ended up doing that for three years. But a few months into writing that, I realized, hey, writing blog posts is fun because I get to talk about whatever I want really. But I was also kind of interested in doing something more long form, like a book. I mean, I had a ton of spare time on my hands. There wasn't really much to do. So I was like, screw it. I'll just write a book. And I wasn't at first sure what to write about. I kind of wanted to do like a biography on one NBA player. But I realized that there are already a ton of those. And getting exclusive access to an NBA player at a as a then 14-year-old wasn't going to exactly be the easiest thing in the world for me. So I was like, I need something a little more general. So initially my plan was, I'm going to write a book. It was 2020. I'm going to write a book about the 2021 NBA All-Stars. And I'm going to write about every player that gets selected to the All-Star game, like a short um, biography about them, one for each chapter. And I'll publish it like right before the All-Star game. It'll be this huge thing. Everybody will be like, oh, cool. It's like right before the All-Star game. Then I learned that writing a book, in particular your first book, takes a really long time. And also the process of publishing a book, if you're, especially if you're trying to do more than self-publish, that also takes a really long time. So that didn't exactly work out. And I was like, I also realized around that time, I can't have something that specific. I wanted it to be a little more general so that it wouldn't just be like, oh, this was cool for one year, but now let's move on to the next thing. So I ended up changing it from the 2021 NBA All-Stars to the 2010 NBA All-Star. So I could reflect upon a decade's worth of stars and everything that had happened in the lives of the best players of like the 2010s era. So there's 24 chapters in total. It's like 12 players from like the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference because that was how the All-Star game used to be divided. And it's just 12 players and their stories about how they grew up and the adversity they faced along the way. And as being a huge basketball fan, I really enjoyed writing it because there was just so much that I learned about these players that I had no clue about beforehand. And like, I'd watched a ton of YouTube videos and like read, listened to podcasts about these players beforehand, but I was just shocked at the amount of stuff I learned, like going into further detail. Like I remember there was a YouTube video I watched about Chris Paul. And like when he was a high school star, like he was really close with his grandfather. And then his grandfather was like tragically murdered um, at the gas station that he worked at, I believe it was. Or no, he was, I think he was like mugged by these two teenagers. But aside from like just those videos, I would go into like the deeper part of these guys' lives and I'd learn tragic stuff that happened. Like Jimmy Butler was kicked out of his house at the age of 13 because like his mom just didn't like the look of him. And like, Damian Lillard was robbed at gunpoint and who else? It's Kawhi Leonard lost his dad and um, and, and just so many people have lost loved ones or had to deal with drug and gang violence. And so I thought it was really important to highlight all of this and 
for anyone that either liked basketball or was in a similar situation could read these stories and feel somewhat inspired. It's a long explanation, but that's like sort of how it all kind of came together. How satisfying was it seeing your book come out? And uh, and obviously you had to do a lot of research and homework. And when you're in school, obviously, text, uh, did you have a teacher that kind of mentored you into, in, into writing? Uh, not exactly. In terms of a teacher, I moved to Raleigh in eighth grade. So I started at a new school and everything, and I didn't really know too many people. So my time initially was spent because it was... It was COVID, and so it was like we had a hybrid model going on. So some students were virtual and some were in person. And in person, there wasn't too much socializing you could do. So I turned to reading and books. And so as much as I made friends that year and I eventually found, like, a good friend group, I some of my biggest supporters early on were the librarians because I would go to the library every day, and there was this really big block of unstructured time at school called community time. And I would just read during that. And I would just read everything I could find. So when I started initially writing and stuff, those librarians were my, like, I'd say some of my biggest supporters. Of course, my other teachers really supported me as well. But I didn't, I wasn't super vocal in, like, telling them exactly what I was doing. If there's one thing I've learned for while working for the Firebirds, it's that doing digital marketing, I'm very good at marketing stuff for other people, but not necessarily as good as, like, self-promotion just because talking and bragging about other people is like a lot easier in my opinion than just like e expressing myself and talking about myself to other people for me i'm going to be honest when i was your age i hated public speaking i avoided it like the plague and and now i'm 51 years old and now i love it and the and the way I, the way i speak to people i try not to come off as arrogant or cocky just come off as myself and be self-confident and uh, and don't be somebody that you're not so that's one thing i would give to somebody and and to get into the radio media industry you do have to self-promote yourself but there's ways of doing it and i, I just tell people just be yourself. Don't be somebody that you're not. Yeah, I think that's great advice because if you're true and authentic to yourself, then it's just, it's so much easier than being someone you're not. And you can have a lot more fun with it too. I've had guests on my show I never thought I would get on, like Dan Schumann uh, from ESPN and the Blue Jays. And I've had many guys from professional sports leagues on my show and uh, Hall of Famers. And then you just reach out to people. You tell them what you're about. And uh, people can tell if you're a nice person or not. And uh, it does go away a long ways as well. Yeah, and it's awesome. Yeah. I hope one day I can get those kinds of guests on my podcast too. If I oh, you them. will, you you will, man. You're doing a lot, man. I wish I when I was your age, I was wish I wish they had all this technology. So you got a head start on me. But uh, hey, for my audience that's watching this live stream, by the way, we're on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch, uh, Twitter slash X, and now we're on Instagram as well. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a large large range of audience. I think yes. That's one of one of the big things is just making sure that like, like when I first started the Raleigh Firebird show, like I'm publishing the podcast on Anchor, which I think is one of the sites you mentioned. Yes. But just, they have one thing where it's like they, you can link your podcast to like other places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and that makes it a lot easier because if you, 
are on like every streaming platform, it's so much easier for people to find you instead of being like as narrow or exclusive to one platform. I you probably know about Zoom, obviously, but what I use for my platform here is StreamYard. So my guests can come on live like you are on video. Or if my guests don't feel comfortable being on live video, they can come on audio or I can pre-record a show as well. StreamYard, I'm, I'm not a sales guy for them, but I would recommend StreamYard.com at some point. They do have plans that are free and then they have uh, paid uh, plans as well. But if you get a chance in the future, check out StreamYard.com. I definitely will. I'm going to make sure to look into that because I also have been like using Zoom for yeah. some of the non-in-person interviews. And as you can see, I have a ticker and I have uh, graphics and I knew you were coming on today. So I had to put on the Raleigh Firebirds logo in the background to, for yes, you. Yes, thank you. So, hey, before we get to some other questions, uh, where can my audience watching and listening, uh, can they still find your book online and Amazon or is it available? So the book Overcoming Adversity, um, it's Overcoming Adversity 2010 NBA All-Stars. But if you search for Overcoming Adversity Tech Screen, um, you can find it on Amazon, like you said. It's on Barnes & Noble. It's on Apple Books. Basically, it, you can find it pretty much anywhere online because what my publisher did, I went, I worked with a publishing company called Newman Springs. And what they did was once I had like the finished ready product, they uploaded it to the Ingram Content Network. And Ingram is like this huge, like imagine digital content library that I'm not 100% sure on this, but I'm pretty sure just about every place like uses it to get all of their books. So because so many people use Ingram, it's available just about anywhere you want. And even if it's not in stores, if you order it from any individual site, they'll be able to print it and ship it to you. So Overcoming Adversity by TechScreen, you can find it just about anywhere that sells books online. And, ha and have you done any book signings yet? Not yet. I'm working on getting my first one, hopefully in a few weeks. We'll see. It might be with like a local book publisher, fingers crossed. Congratulations, Tex. That is so awesome. And uh, I was going to say, I'm going to have to get a copy of your book at some point as well, because I'm a, a big NBA fan. And I got to ask you this since I have you on here. When you were growing up, did you have a favorite NBA team and a favorite player that kind of inspired you? Yeah. So I first started really watching the NBA when I was in middle school. I think that was probably around like 2018. I'm originally from Washington, D.C. So my favorite team starting off was the Wizards. But the thing is, the Wizards, they, they, they were going through a little bit of a rough patch. The, when I first started watching them, they were like a first round playoff exit kind of team. Um and I mean, they they just weren't like really good. And it just kind of progressively got worse until this year where they're just really not good. So, but the one player that really kind of inspired me starting out from a purely basketball perspective was Kyrie Irving, just because of how amazing he was at dribbling and his ball handling. He was a really good shooter, playmaker. And so I just wanted to like, be like him when I was out there and playing. And because I liked Kyrie Irving, I became kind of a Celtics fan as well. And then after he left the Celtics and, you know, some of the other problems emerged, I just still ended up really liking with the Celtics. And so until the Wizards kind of get good and they're not super fun to watch, I'm kind of like riding with the Celtics for now. Hey, this is how old I am. I remember when Washington's franchise was called the Washington Bullets. And I remember yeah. when they won a championship back in 1978. And uh, 
it was weird seeing Michael Jordan at the end of his career play for the Wizards because with Michael Jordan, it's like Chicago Bulls. And you know what? His last year's was Washington. He was still a pretty good player. He was. He still averaged over 20 a game. And that honestly, it's sad to say that a re near retired MJ was one of the highlights of like the Wizards franchise so far. But like, like you said, it was that championship with uh, Wes Unseld in 78. And then you had the Jordan era and then Gilbert Arenas for a few years. But other than that, there really hasn't been that much yet. And I'm hoping that turns around soon. I'm a lifelong Detroit Pistons fan, and I've seen the Pistons in their glory years winning and championships. And, and now I've seen them hit rock bottom, 2-26, uh, 25 straight losses. They've lost, I think, 48 out of the last 54 games. But you know this as well, uh, Tex, uh, being a sports fan. You support your team, win or lose, in good times and bad times. Yes, unfortunately, some of those bad times can get very bad. But, like, at least you've had the good moments to balance it out. I remember there were a few, like, NBA videos I'd watch about, like, teams and stuff. And the recurring frame I got was that almost every team had something interesting that happens. But the Wizards were kind of just a boring team because for so long they were just stuck in, like, mediocrity. Like, they're... At least, like, the Pistons are bad, you know they're bad. It's the same way the Wizards are now. But, like, when they were good, like, you really had hope for a championship and, like, to make a really deep playoff run and to have a fun, exciting team to watch. So that's the key to, like, kind of have the, you have your bad times, but at the same time have the good times too. It's kind of funny being a Detroit sports fan. The Detroit Lions now are winners, and yeah. they were so bad for 40, 50 years. Now the Lions are on the verge of winning a division, getting into the playoffs. And the Pistons for years and decades were consistently winning championships or consistently competitive. And now they've switched uh, roles as well. They really have. Yeah. All right. I'm going to get to some more questions. Uh, Tex, when you were growing up, when did, did you take, I'm going to reword the question. Uh, when you were growing up, uh, when did you start taking a serious interest in sports? Well, I think my sports journey started, I was about four and I was really into soccer. It started out, I was like, I would like be at my grandfather's apartment and uh, there was like a little indoor, like just ball, just a generic bouncy ball he had, but it was like about the size of a soccer ball. And I would just kick it as hard as I could at the door, probably annoyed the crap out of the neighbors, but, and he would be the goalie. And like, it just, <laughs> it, and that was like my first real fun with that. And I ended up playing a lot of like rec league soccer. And then I got pretty competitive at it at some point for a year or two. I was with this, um, I'm not sure exactly how to describe them, but they were like a soccer program that helped like, that was super like elite in terms of like, they sent players overseas in their older ranks. And so I was like joining them as like for the, their like seven year old team, however old I was. But the problem was as much as I could have pursued soccer later on, like I just kind of fell out of love with it. And basketball ended up becoming like what I really enjoyed. And I didn't really get, good at basketball also until about middle school i played but i was always like that defender who like never scored any points but like i could take pride in locking the opposing like best team's best player down and but like if i scored two points like it was a huge deal i made yeah. a land and so eventually um once i got to middle school and i got the option to like play sports i still played soccer but basketball was for sure like my love and what I enjoyed doing. And so while initially I kind of sucked at basketball, I worked a lot harder to get there. 
And with soccer, even though I had the talent, I just kind of stopped trying. And so I'm still playing basketball at this point. I'm playing for my high school team. And then I've ended up running um, distance instead, doing cross country in the fall and track and field in the spring for distance. And I don't know, just recently, like within the past year, I've just really started enjoying running. So I've been doing that a lot. And I think... In terms of sports, I don't think I'm going to do any in college. But at the same time, just like having the experiences of being on sports teams and like just the overall benefits from playing sports, like it's something I wouldn't trade for the world. It's been great. And I think really having those experiences playing those sports is going to help later on if I try to go into like front office operations for a sports team because even if i can't relate to the high level of play that these players are at i've at least like i've played the sport before i've been around and know some of the nuances of it what's your favorite number to wear and uh besides basketball and soccer what other sports have you uh played have you even tried hockey yet i have not tried hockey yet no okay Um, I, i have some friends that are big into hockey and some family members as well but my mom was not has never been too big on contact sports, so never played football. Don't think I'll ever play hockey. Um, I played baseball for, for a little bit, but nothing more than like rec league as well. So I think the list has been soccer, basketball, running, baseball, and I think that's it. In terms of the number, um, right now for basketball, my number's 35. Um, cool. Initially, my favorite number to wear as a kid and still now is number three. I don't know exactly what it is about it, but I just, I really like the number three, but my basketball program, they have a thing where there's no single digit numbers. Oh, wow. So I just ended up taking a liking to 35. I'm I'm not sure exactly why. Maybe it was Kevin Durant initially, but just like. Good choice. And number three in baseball is for Babe Ruth. When I think of three in baseball, I think about Babe Ruth. Got to ask you this too, Tech, since I got you on. How big is sports in Raleigh, North Carolina? And uh, what is the number one sport right there? Hockey is definitely the number one sport because you have the Carolina Carolina Hurricanes um, playing in downtown Raleigh at PNC Arena. They're huge. The whole community, like just about everyone I know is a huge Canes fan. A bunch of people with like cane season tickets go all the time and they're really good you know which also helps but in terms of that raleigh while it's a good market for sports there aren't any other major league sports we have a minor league baseball team the durham bulls which is triple a i don't i've heard of them yes 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 but the durham bulls are pretty big within the triangle area and then after that it's really the firebirds and then there's another um, minor league baseball team, but they're like a level below the Durham Bulls. They're called the Carolina Mudcats. So I would say in terms of sports in this area, it goes like you've got the Hurricanes, which are like way up here. You've got the Bulls, and then you've got like the Firebirds and the Mudcats. going to put you on the spot here. When I think of Raleigh, North Carolina, obviously the Carolina Hurricanes, but I think college basketball. Uh, how big of a college basketball uh, community is it? And uh, Who's your team in college basketball? Oh, it's huge. So I completely forgot about college. Also, the other team I forgot about, um, the North Carolina, like the soccer team. They have a women's soccer team here, um, professional team. It's part of like, they're part of like NCFC. So that's also pretty big here. But in terms of college hoops, 
I mean, obviously there's Duke, there's Carolina, there's NC State, and there's Wake Forest. They're all great teams. Everyone pretty clearly has their teams, um, and some of them will fight you over it. <laughs> That's pretty common. And even, like, among the basketball team at school, like, they, you've got people that are diehard Duke fans playing alongside, like, UNC fans. So <laughs> you hear about it every now and then in the locker room. But, I mean, since I moved here, I'm not sure I feel the rivalry nearly as much. I respect all the schools. I feel like purely from a basketball program, I like um, Duke the most. Um, I've been to, like, I went to, like, a Duke basketball camp a few years ago. Like, I got to meet Coach Shire. And it's just, like, a great program. I love the feeling of, like, the brotherhood. And I kind of like how in the world of, like, huge stadiums and stuff, like, there's um, their gym is just, like, so much smaller. It's not necessarily, like, small by any means, but it's, like, a large high school gym. And it's, like, it always sells out. And you just have this, like, really, like, intimate feel when you, like, play there. And it's kind of magical. Absolutely. We have our university college sports here and I think it's great, but in Canada, we don't, they don't have the TV contracts that the university and colleges uh, do in the States and even high school sports. We have it here, but it's nowhere near like it is in the States. Like some of these cities, man, I think they're more into high school and college more than they are professional sports. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I know this isn't necessarily here, but I guess it kind of is. One thing I've heard when I moved south is that football is king. And while that's definitely true in North Carolina, uh, that's definitely true in the south, North Carolina, as much as it is big in football, it's pretty big in basketball too. But every now and then as I'm like looking at sports stuff that's going on, I keep hearing about Texas high school football. And don't get me wrong, like the university teams are huge, but they literally have high school teams that are getting built arenas that are larger than nfl arenas or, or comparable size paid wow. out of like city tax dollars like i forget yeah. um one of the best teams in like texas i think is like dunk duncanville and they've got like a stadium that's used like tens of thousands there's another one i'm thinking of that was recently built i'm not 100 percent sure i think it might be like melissa high school i'm not i'm not 100 sure on the name i'll have to check that but they just got recently built like a state-of-the-art like literally arena and like there's only a few, there's like a few thousand students that go there, but still just like, it's amazing that all there's all of this like interest and in like in high school sports. It's like, it's not that they're bad by any means, but at the same time, it's high school, not professional. But I mean, they're being treated like professionals with the way they get to play. I'm going to put you on the spot here. What is going on with the Carolina Panthers right now? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Carolina Panthers, I'm they play in Charlotte. I'm not a huge NFL fan because I was a fan of the Redskins turned Washington football team turned commanders and they're not playing the best right now. So I haven't had a ton no. of incentive to follow football, but from what I've heard, the Panthers are not doing great this year. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping they turn it around, but they're, I mean, a team that I'm not really as invested in as some of the other ones locally in the area or even a little further away. Yeah, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and it's amazing how they started 10-1. and one. They lose three in a row, and now everybody's panicking. And that's the thing about sports is fans, when their team wins, they they, they get all high, and they're going to talk championship. And when their team loses, they're like, ah, they're no goods, they're bums. And it's like, you gotta being media, you got to try to keep an even kill, like covering professional sports teams. Got to be objective. And uh, and and one thing too, Tex, you'll see this too, uh, being in media, you'll see a different side of athletes 
athletes that the the normal fans don't see. Yeah. I guess when you have all the like access locker room wise or to them, yes. when they're not just on the field, you like, you get to know them as a person, as opposed to just the quotes and the like videos that you see of them at press conferences. Absolutely. This leads to my next question. And then we'll, we'll talk some firebirds basketball here. Can you just tell us about your blog that you did the NBA log dot org? I think you did it for three years and, and what that experience was like. Yeah. So the NBA blog, as I mentioned, I like started it, I think it was April or May of 2020. Um, basically because I wouldn't shut up about basketball and my mom was like, you need to shut up. And so I started off writing um, just kind of every day, eventually became every other day, just about whatever was going on or my takes. And I remember I wanted to write every day for a while. And so I came up with this huge list of every basketball idea I could think of. And some of them were good. And others of them looking back, I was like, eh, you know, not necessarily great. But I just really wanted to be able to write like that every day. Eventually, it became every other day as I realized writing every day once you had school come back in after the summer was like a little unsustainable. But I wasn't completely sure what I wanted to do with the blog at first. Like I knew I wanted to write and get my ideas and opinions out there, but like the end goal of what I was actually going for. And so at certain points, I thought I wanted to monetize it. I didn't end up doing that. But what I did end up doing was I wanted to find ways to try and like increase my blog's exposure. So what I ended up doing was I looked at basketball reference because every diehard basketball fan has spent some time on basketball reference. And it ended up having this thing where if you look at the stats of a player, if you like scroll down a little bit, there's a section called player news and it's a bunch of like sites and their like articles. And whenever it mentions a player, uh, whenever it mentions a player's full name, it tags them and then you can see the article. So if you want news on that player, you can read like whatever's there. And I was like, this is kind of genius. I wonder if I can do it. And so I like reached out and I like sent them my blog and asked if they could. And they said they could. And so from then I ended up like be having my writing showcased on basketball reference, which was pretty cool. But I also came with some responsibility because uh, those links, like they provide you clicks because people are looking at them, but you also can't abuse them at the same time. So like I couldn't end every article with a list of every NBA player like that's that's playing in the NBA right now so that it went to every player because otherwise like it might get blocked for spam or something. But and then aside from that, I could it was a balance between trying to use names where applicable but not just like try and throw in names. Like if I was writing an article about Giannis I, and talking about the Bucks, could be like Giannis, um, teammate of Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and Damian Lillard ended up scoring like 30 points against Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey's Detroit Pistons. And like, like eventually it gets to the point where it's just like, you can tell you're just using it for names. So I had to try and find that balance, but eventually I got the hang of that. And I thought, I mean, it was a really cool experience to be able to do that. And it ended up helping me like get the job with the Firebirds because I basically had this like website of all of the digital content I'd been making for a few years and proof that I'd been doing it for a decent amount of time. So like, all those like entry level jobs where you need like a few years of experience. I had that experience all of a sudden. And so I, aside from not having gone to college, like 
pretty qualified in that regard. And that's one thing I've learned too about my podcast is listening skills. Cause sometimes you can ask a guest a question and they can give you the answers to five other questions as well. And I was just going to ask you that, but you beat me to it. Hey, I got to ask you this as well. Tex. I just started doing digital writing two years ago. Cause I, I cover professional sports teams, the Toronto Argonauts, Buffalo Bisons, Buffalo Bandits and the Canadian baseball hall of fame. For those people that are watching this live stream and on audio and also on my radio station, WQEE 99.1 FM, a little plug there. What advice would you give to somebody that's looking to get into writing, digital writing? Um, That's a good question. I think I would end up starting with kind of similar to like what I did. I would start with writing, like creating a blog or some kind of digital thing yourself, because that way no one is like over your shoulder telling you what you have to write, what you don't want to write. Just start out trying to find what interests you and what you want to write about. And once you get the hang of it, you can do it for a while. And eventually, sometimes you can turn that thing into something profitable, something with like a high following. And like, I know people are not personally, but I've seen people online who have these huge followings of like social media pages they've started and they just through consistently posting content, like they've been able to land brand deals and sponsorships and stuff like that. And even if that's not your goal, just having some sort of digital portfolio of you starting your digital writing, you can figure out a lot about yourself, improve your writing. And then later down the line, if you want to end up like trying to do something for a company, you'll have a plethora of writing samples and knowledge that you can use. So I think that would be my biggest advice. Right now I'm on wordpress.com and a little plug here live with CDP. I've done 137 stories so far. I still think talking is my strong suit, but I think the more you do something that you mentioned this too, the more you do something, the more consistent you are, you will eventually improve. Yes, definitely. My blog was also on WordPress. So I got pretty familiar with that. And then eventually the Firebirds website is on Wix. And so I had to get used to writing on Wix and like, because I did digital writing on the website for the team. And so I, eventually I just started becoming acquainted with more and more like website, like platforms and how they work and more than just the writing stuff. And that kind of ended up with me doing some web design freelancing and being able to manage the Firebirds website. Well, and also too, by the way, when I started this old four years ago, I uh, I started out as a camera operator, and then the camera operator led to my podcast, led to my radio show, and what you do online, it doesn't matter if you had nobody watching or five thousand people watching. You're building a body of work, and that's how eventually I've got guests to come on my show, and that's how you you keep doing it. You keep practicing, keep working here, and people will notice your work at some point. Exactly, because then you're experienced, and you've got the examples and proof that you've been putting in the work, and people are more likely to trust you. Absolutely. And I've been very lucky getting all these pro sports leagues. I'm doing this the unconventional way, waiting later in life. Um, if I was in my 20s again, I'd probably go back to school for it. But I've been told just uh, I've, I've been self-teaching myself. And uh, I, I, what I love about this text, you should know this too, is every day you're learning something new. And I think what you're doing is great. You're multitasking. You're doing different roles. And even if you're not the best at every role, it's still an experience. 
It definitely is. And I feel like being able to do all those different roles, I'm learning so much about what I am good at, what in the future it's best to let someone else like handle. And that's just like one of the things I love about like the TBL, the Firebirds and more minor league sports in general. There's so much room for growth and improvement and you're really not boxed into one role of stuff that you have to do. You can kind of experiment, feel around. If you want to try something new, you can. Like I just started off as like a journalist for the team and an intern. And then I wanted to like kind of move into a role where I worked with getting sponsors and like doing ticket sales. And so I was able to do some of that as well. And so I could, I mean, I now I have the thing where I, let me rephrase that. Now that I've like started that role in addition to being the team journalist and managing the website and hosting the podcast, I manage the news of the team newsletter, Firebird Focus. And that's about marketing and trying to get the word out about the Firebirds. It's about an email list of around 3000 people. And it's just Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's me emailing a bunch of people about the Firebirds, who we are and marketing us so that hopefully when our season comes around and starts in March, people will be more likely to buy tickets from us. Or if there are people on there that work for a specific company, get a company to sponsor us. And so I just think it's really cool that I've had the chance to evolve like this within a single organization instead of having to hop from one to another to gain multiple experiences. Now, when did you contact them or did the team contact you when you first started out with uh, Firebirds? Um, I contacted the team. I first started out as we moved here. I really wanted to do an internship of some kind or work with the team, um, as opposed to just me doing writing. This was, I think my freshman year of high school and like I, the blog was fun, but I wanted to do something more than that. And I was like, are there any professional basketball teams in Raleigh? Because I knew there were no NBA teams and there's no G League teams. The closest is in Greensboro, but that's like an hour and a half away. So um, I looked online and there was a team, the Firebirds, which I had never heard of before. And a lot of people still haven't, which is something we're trying to fix now. But I ended up like looking into the team a little bit more, realized it was local. And um, I emailed the team uh, to like, or actually, no, I didn't email. I think what ended up happening was before I was on LinkedIn, my mom was, and she ended up reaching out to one of the people that worked for the Firebirds. And that ended up getting me an interview with the team market owner, Wade Harris. And um, we had the interview. It seemed like a good fit. And I mean, I've now I've been with the team for two years. It's been great. Connections are huge in the media industry. And by the way, I did some uh, media work uh, affiliated with the National Basketball League of Canada which is now, uh, I guess, part of the Basketball Super League. And uh, it's big things are going on with the Basketball League, obviously, and the Basketball Super League. i got to ask you this, Tex. What are your thoughts on the um, on the uh, Raleigh Firebirds uh, ownership and management group and overall how that experience been with the, fr- with the franchise? Well, I think the ownership has, and management has done an extremely good job with the team. Because if there's one thing I've noticed within the basketball league, it's that there are a lot of new franchises that get added every year. And every year there's a lot that fold. There aren't a ton of teams that have been around since the league's inauguration, and I believe 2018, and have stayed alive. 
like my first year, I remember our big rival was the Carolina Coyotes. And the next year they were just gone. Like they didn't have a team anymore. They didn't post actively on social media. They weren't doing stuff. And I guess it showed with their fan base and now they're gone. And even a big opponents that we've had this year ha- aren't returning next year, either because the team wasn't doing well or they just couldn't like keep it going. But the Firebirds, after our um, inaugural season in 2019, even with the pandemic, we've still been able to keep going. We've been growing our follower base. We stay active on social media. We're constantly reaching out, sending emails. I'm writing stuff or doing podcasts. And through that, we're able to keep our fan base involved and engaged. And we're always looking to expand and to do something new, to do something more. And I think that's part of what's keeping us in the game so well. I don't know of too many other teams that are doing what we're doing. And it's really not even that we're doing anything that revolutionary. It's just that instead of this being a part-time gig for some like to, for someone who just wants a minor league sports team, like we're taking it seriously. We stay active during the offseason just like the league does. And I mean, there are some teams like I know Newfoundland who beat us in the playoffs of last year and is now part of the Basketball Super League. Like they have someone that does like reports at the end of each game and what happens. And they're pretty active on social media. But like I'd say a good 90% of the teams in the Basketball League don't have someone that's like actively producing content or doing any writing for teams. And I think that's one of the things that ends up hurting these teams a lot in the long run is they're not not only are they not accumulating fans, they're not keeping those relationships with the fans. They're not making the fans feel like they're a part of the community and the team as much as they are. And that's what I think we do to a greater extent. There should be no off season and social media. Like I'm 51 years old and I just got into it 10 years ago. It is huge. And uh, without social media, I don't think my show would have got onto a radio station. And uh, it's a lot of work too, by the way. But hey, when you do something that you you love text, it's not really work. It's a passion. Exactly. It is. And one of the great things about social media is it's a completely free way to advertise. I mean, yeah, with some sites like Twitter and LinkedIn, you have the option to do like paid ads, but it's so powerful because literally everyone is there and you have the reach to reach everyone. If you're just engaging or you have something that makes you stand out a little bit or makes you different, you can reach the entire world without having to pay a ton for like traditional commercials or advertising. And look how we're doing the show today. You're in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm just outside out of Toronto. I'm probably about, I don't know, 1,200, 1,300 miles away from you. And I can see you and hear you clear. And uh, I think all the teams, doesn't matter what league you are, you need to be, you have to have a strong social media site because that's where everything's going now, especially live streaming. Yeah, it really is. And I think it's amazing because it means that I can have these conversations with people that aren't next door to me. It means I can learn from people who might be in a different city or talk to like professional athletes from another team or something. It's great. And I assume this is your first Canadian based podcast you've been on. (laughs) Yes, I think it is. I've been on like, I think one other radio show, but that was local in the triangle. So definitely first out of country. Well, and it's just amazing. I'm just outside of Toronto in the suburbs, and my show is done remotely from my home and sent to Noonan, Georgia, which is just outside of Atlanta because they love my show because it's not just Canadian stuff. It's U.S., Canadian. It's a, it's basically an international show, and I've been lucky to have guests on from six different countries around the world so far. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Yeah, so like you said, if you social media, I'd give this to anybody. Any advice? It can be a really good tool if you use it correctly. Definitely, definitely, it's, it's extremely powerful. Absolutely. This leads to my next question. Hey, text, you still good for a few more minutes? A few more questions? Okay, no problem. What were your final thoughts on last year's Raleigh Firebirds? And I believe you guys finished the season at 18 and 6 for second place in the Southeast Division. Overall, I was really proud of the team last year. We had a really strong roster overall. And I remember after the TBL All-Star break where our shooting guard, Daquan Antoine, ended up winning the three-point contest. We had won like seven of our last eight. Like we were cruising because frankly, we were a really good team. And there were certain teams in our um, division that were not very good teams. And we were able to take advantage of that early on. And like we were a really good team. We had Daquan, our like starting shooting guard, extremely good shooter. And then we were able to pick up Dreco Palmer, sign him. He's an all star point guard for us, six foot five, great shooter. He was originally on a team from Alabama, but that team ended up folding as well in our division, and we were able to grab him. And we got, like, one of the top picks in the TBL draft, Jerome Cunningham, and his development was coming along well, along with our two other bigs. We have Desmond Jackson, who is foot eleven and played at UNC in college, and Darius Leonard, who's from the Raleigh area, played for Campbell and Wake Forest, and... That was his fourth year with it. He's been with the team since their first year. And our next season is going to be his last season. And then he's retired from basketball. So we want to make that special. But in terms of last year, I really thought we had the chance to do some damage in the playoffs. But unfortunately, we drew Newfoundland as a first round matchup. And as you know, now they're like, they're a team with a big marketplace. They're in the basketball super league. And so even though we had, the home court advantage, they had this guard, Armani Cheney, and he was really good. He dropped like a 28-point triple-double, I think it was, on our heads. And the team was just, whenever we tried to help on him, he kicked it out to really good shooters, and they just kept delivering. And so it was a close game, and um, we had a breakout performance from one of our guards, Robert Hobson, but ultimately it wasn't enough to get the job done. So overall with the regular season, I was super impressed with how we did. But um, I just think we got a little unlucky in the postseason. And I think if we can retain a decent amount of our roster and then expand and get even better, and if people like me within the organization can keep doing our jobs and getting even more fans, more sponsorship, and get our home court advantage even stronger, I see there being no reason why we can't make a much deeper run this year. Do you feel eventually the Basketball Super League and the TBL will merge into one big league instead of two separate uh, leagues? Obviously, the uh, Basketball Super League, I think, has six teams in it. And how many teams are currently in the uh, Basketball League currently? Uh, I'm pretty sure there's 40 teams in the TBL. I would not be surprised if they ended up merging. But I think at first what's going to happen is after this next season, there are going to be a few more teams from the basketball league that realize, Hey, like we're a step above the competition. We're pretty good. We've got this large fan base. We have the money and resources to pull this off and they're going to transition to the basketball super league. And the good franchises are going to keep moving. And some of the TBL ones are going to stay put and others are going to kind of fade out like a lot do every year. But I think they might end up merging eventually, but I'm not a hundred percent sure just because of the nature of the two leagues. Well, they're similar BSL. There's no salary cap. And so you can play, you can pay players as much as you want. 
And there's like those requirements of having like that fan base to get in, which some teams might struggle with. Whereas the basketball league is more of like a showcase to try and help people get to the next level. I think it's like uh, Evelyn Magley said, the TBL is like a showcase and exposure league, but the basketball super league is supposed to be like a destination league where players want to end up playing. Nice lady. I've had Evelyn on my show and I met David Magley last year in London as well. So um, I've had them both on and oddly Stevenson, uh, who was the commissioner of the national basketball league of Canada as well. And by the way, everybody knows about hockey Canada and hockey, but basketball right now here is up right near hockey. The amount of great talent from Canada is just amazing. And uh, basketball is a, a great sport here. It's just like baseball as well. And uh, I'm hoping you guys get a chance to see some of the, the Canadian based franchises at some point uh, come up to Raleigh, like the London lightning who've won five championships in the last 10 years. And then the Windsor express and the Sudbury five, there's a lot of good basketball players up here. Yeah, I, no doubt. And I'm sure, I mean, if we ever got the chance to play them, then against them it would be great and i mean i don't know if it's ever going to happen but i would love to see a rematch against newfoundland because i think we can really compete with them absolutely now i gotta ask you this text how's the attendance what's the average attendance like at a firebirds game and what is your game day presentation like and who's ever watching and listening to our show and they're in the raleigh north carolina area why they should come to a firebirds game this year and, and when does your season start up by the way our season starts in March of 2024. It generally okay. runs until about May, and then we okay. have the season. Our okay. home games are at Word of God Christian Academy, which was is an incredible basketball school. They got a lot of talent there. It's where John Wall went to high school. Um, and then in terms of game days, I mean, generally the games are either on Fridays at like 7 p.m. or they're like in the mid-afternoon of weekends. We generally don't have weekday games. Um, and overall, they're a pretty, I mean, it's, it's a really fun vibe. We have food vendors, we have, it can seat a decent amount of people. I would say average amount of people that show up per game is probably around like 400 to 500. You have some games, which like if they're on a Sunday, like people just got out of church, maybe they're not looking to go to a basketball game. Some games that are probably more like 100, 200, but like some of those Friday night games, like opening night always has like over a thousand people there. And that's like wow. really cool to be a part of in the atmosphere we typically have a marching band which i think is from awesome. somewhere in like the area and it's like a student-led marching band and they're like distracting the other team and stuff during free throws and like the halftime shows like it's just amazing we have like our cheer team um and then we have like this our firebird mascot i guess you could say which is like this um lady on a firebird pole with like wings and she's like 12 feet tall on stilts and it's so cool like my little brother wanted to get a picture with her the second he like saw her it was it was a really cool experience but just the fact that it's a high level of competitive basketball um and the atmosphere is great and it's the people coming that makes the atmosphere great so it's just a compounding effect the more people you have there the better the atmosphere the better the atmosphere the more people want to show up and it just keeps getting better and better and I mean, we generally have a really good product to put out on the floor. Like our first year in the TBL, we made it to the game that would have put us in the championship game if we had won. We lost that one, unfortunately, by four points. COVID was rough, but we're back now. I mean, like I said, yes. we have some key returning players like Darius Leonard, um, his final year, probably Desmond Jackson as well. We're going to have Dreco Palmer back. 
and we're going to have um, whoever our TBL draft pick might be. And so there's just a lot to be excited for this year, and I'm really looking forward to it. What how what's the average price for a, a game for a Firebirds game, and what are your thoughts on this year's coaching staff going forward? Well, that's the other thing I forgot to mention is that the one key thing about the Firebirds is that they want to bring an affordable brand of basketball to Raleigh. So while other teams you might have jacked up prices or people being like it's professional basketball or like you know how the NBA how much the NBA and G League can cost, yes, an individual get like game ticket for the Firebirds is twenty dollars. So it's affordable enough that you and your family could like all buy tickets there and like you know not go bankrupt or not eat for the next week. Yeah, like it's it's affordable and it's reasonable. Um, and season tickets, I think, are a little over two hundred dollars. You're getting like a little less than that because there's a little less than the twenty dollars per game because there's twelve home games over the course of the season. So overall, price wise, I'd say you got a pretty good bargain that you're looking at. And are your games available on live stream in case somebody from Canada, like myself, would like to watch some of your games this year? Yes, they're available on um, TBL TV. And additionally, sometimes they're streamed on other platforms or on, I think we're in talks with like WRAL for them to stream a few of our games, which is like a news channel. So in some cases, you can go to like WRAL sports fan and you'll see the games there as well. So there's a few different ways to watch virtually if you can't actually attend. I'm going to put you on the spot with this question. What was your most memorable game last year? I'm not favorite, but most memorable uh, Firebirds game last season. Ooh. Um, I season's tough. I feel like it would have to be a draw between the Newfoundland game and our first game, but I think I would go with our, um, I think I would go with our first game of the season. We played against a rival from Fayetteville, the Stingers. And like I said, the first game has an incredible amount of people and atmosphere. So there were like over a thousand people in the stands and it was just like, it was beautiful. You had the marching band. I was taking notes and tweeting on the sidelines and like listening to the coaching staff and stuff. And it was just a great vibe and experience. So I think from that, that from last year, that would have to be my favorite memory. Just and watching the players like in action and up close, like they're really good. And the coaching too. Our coach, um, Bob McKinnon, he used to coach in the G League. He used to be he's a former G League coach of the year. So he has a lot of experience developing basketball players, one of the best in the business. And so we're really lucky to have him as a coach. Bob McKinnon is also from Buffalo, New York, which is only a two-hour drive for me as well. Exactly, yeah. So you got some, like, almost local blood in Raleigh. And Buffalo had an NBA team in the 70s called the Buffalo Braves, who became the San Diego Clippers, who became the L.A. Clippers. They did, yes. And the Clippers, they've been doing really well recently. They're breaking their curse. Well, we'll we'll see how what happens there. But yeah, I'm just gonna just give you a couple more quick questions, and we'll wrap this up. But uh, I wanted to ask you this as well, text: How difficult can mass multitasking your roles with the Firebirds along with your schooling? Because obviously, education is important. How do you do a balance balance it all out? Well, it's a little bit difficult. I generally try to pace myself as much as possible. Towards in the off season, I tend to do a little bit less, or I just do a lot of work when I'm on break. In the spring with the games and reporting and like going to practices and stuff like that, it can be difficult. So I try to make use of like steady hall periods as much as I can at school. 
And this year it's a little bit tougher because it's my junior year of high school. So like a lot of AP classes I'm taking, but I think the key is just to like, and my boss reminds me of this school comes first. So if ever I'm having a problem between the two, I have to stop with the firebird stuff, take care of my school business. And then I can go back to working for, with the team. Okay. And uh, this next question I wanted to ask you too, uh, text. Can you just tell my audience, I was reading up on the website. Can you just tell my audience a little bit about the firebird standing for STEM and their involvement with the Raleigh community? Sure. So the firebirds, one of um, Wade, our team market owner, one of his big beliefs is in STEM education because he believes that's where the future is and that it's extremely important for students to be well educated in those areas so that they can get um, good jobs and have good lives later on in life. So what we like to do is we partner with STEM companies like in the Triangle area and we partner with schools and we like to use our games as a place where those two can come together. We can bring students from these different schools and bring people that work at these STEM companies so that they can meet the students can learn about the companies or like maybe get internships and just most importantly, make sure that these kids have access to STEM education. So that way they are set for a good life later on as well. I think that's awesome. And uh, what is a fun fact about yourself that people might not know about tech screen? Hmm. Um, I guess one of the things is that um, I used to be left-handed, but then the school I went to in elementary school did this thing where the computer mouses were all on the right hand. So I learned to write right-handed. I learned to um, to like use a mouse with like my left with my right hand. But whenever I throw something, if I'm really trying to throw it, I have to use my left hand. I can't throw with my like left hand at all. So if I'm bowling, I lefty baseball. I play lefty, um, but I shoot right-handed for basketball, and I play soccer with my right foot. My right foot's my dominant foot. So. I, I guess yeah. that, yeah, not too many people know that about me. I was at basketball practice the other day, and we were doing, like, these baseball passes where we were on the sideline need to throw it to someone else, and I shoot right-handed, but I, like, I got to throw left-handed, and so no one was expecting that. So I guess that's my fun fact. And as for music, uh, do the Firebirds have a, a DJ, and do the uh, players have a certain song they, like, played at the games? Um, we do have a DJ, yes, that handles all of our, like, loudspeaker stuff that goes on during the games. Um, in terms of a favorite song, I'm not sure about each of the players individually, but one thing that Wade got done was there's a symphony, I believe, called the Firebird, and so he, like, kind of remixed it into, like, a beat that's, like, more upbeat and, like, for a basketball game. And I use it as the intro for some of my podcast episodes. It sounds pretty cool during starting lineups. And speaking of the podcast, just before we wrap this up, just tell my audience a little bit your Firebirds podcast and when you when do you think you'll start it up again? And have you had a most memorable episode so far? Um. Okay. So the Raleigh Firebirds show, my podcast, it's on Spotify. Hoping to get on other platforms right now. Just Spotify. As of right now, I interview um, players coaches, staff, members of the team, and other people related to like the area and Raleigh and our mission. So like sometimes it'll be sponsors or like people from the Greensboro Swarm, the G League team who we're affiliated with, or just people like that. Um, as for when I'm going to start up the podcast again, I'm not completely sure, but my guess is it'll be sometime in 2024 as we get closer to the season. I generally am going to try and do about one episode a week. So that it's like kind of paced out and then people will have content pretty consistently leading up into the season. And as for um, 
a favorite episode. I think it would be my one with Wendell Maxey. He's a journalist that covers the basketball league. He runs the Around the TBL Substack. And it was just really great to talk with him because he'd been writing for like 30 plus years, I think, has like great experience with hoops. And we just really got to talk some ball and it was a great time. All right. And uh, your podcast is strictly audio or are you going to eventually uh, turn it into video as well? I'm not completely sure about that yet. I might change it to video, but as of right now, okay. it is just audio. Okay. And what do you like doing about live in-person interviews with players and coaches the most? I like the fact that I can really like see their expressions um, up close in real time and get like real reactions and stuff. And there's like some things like as much as I can see you and hear you, there's just some things about like being like with a person in person that like you can pick up more. Absolutely. And, and like I said, I, I didn't go to school for this, but all these pro sports teams that have given me opportunities, it's been great on hands training. And don't get me wrong, education is important too. But when you're in the sports world, you also pick up a lot of stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. All right. And my final question for you is where can my audience follow the Firebirds on social media and their website? And uh, you said the season starts up in March. How many regular season games in total again? So 24 regular season games, 12 home games. In terms of where you can find us, the website um, on the bottom of the screen, or for audio um, listeners, it's raleighfirebirds.net. Um, we're on Instagram at raleighfirebirds. Um, and Twitter, it's at Raleigh Firebirds One. There's a one in front of it. Um, Facebook, we're Raleigh Firebirds. YouTube, we're the Raleigh Firebirds. Um, yeah, you can find the Raleigh Firebirds on just about every platform. We're starting to get more active on LinkedIn as well. And what is the basketball now? Uh, the basketball league's website again? I forgot to put that on my graphics. Um, I'm pretty sure it is thebasketballleague.net. That and. What are you looking forward more, most to this season? I think just getting a chance to like see and watch the games because there's yeah. such a long like off season in between like that May to March when the team isn't playing. So just getting to see them in action again, it's going to be really exciting. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, text, I want to say thank you for giving me over an hour of your time today. It's been great talking to you about the uh, Firebirds and about yourself. And I want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year in 2024. And I would love, I've never been to North Carolina. I've been to 13 states. And uh, I think the North Carolina area would be somewhere I'd like to visit. And, and if I can get down to a game this year, I'll let you know. Thank you. Yeah. Same to you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And if you can get down to a game, let me know. And uh, just give me a little bit about time tonight text and I will send you a video and audio copies of our episode as well. And our show will air most likely on WQEE 99.1 FM in Newton, Georgia, Georgia, uh, probably this Friday or sorry, this Monday at 8 p.m. as well. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks again, Text, and again, congratulations on your book and your career so far. Keep up the great work, and I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and uh, looking forward to basketball starting up with the uh, Basketball Super League and the Basketball League as well. Yes, thank you. You as well. Thanks, Tex. Have a great day, and uh, we'll keep in touch. You too. Thank you. 
All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed episodes season seven, episode 17 today with Tex Green. He's a media journalist with the uh, Raleigh Firebirds, and he's also an author of his first book, Overcoming Adversity, the 2010 NBA All-Star. So look for it on Google, and it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles, etc. And uh, he does all their social media web does all their social media sites as well as their website as well. I do have some news here, uh, guys. Being a Detroit Pistons fan, I don't really. I'm not going to talk about their two and twenty six record right now. But being a lifelong Detroit Pistons fan, they just lost a Detroit radio personality, a legendary radio personality recently uh, this week, Ken Calvert, at the age of 72. He was on many Detroit radio stations over the years in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And Ken Calvert was the uh, public address announcer uh, for the Detroit Pistons from 1985 to 2001 at the Silverdome and at the uh, Palace of Auburn Hills. And he was also their PA announcer for the Bad Boy area, Bad boy, bad boys era with Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, and Bill Lambeer. And I want to say my deepest sympathies, deepest sympathies and condolences to the uh, Calvert, Ken Calvert family and his family and friends. And he was a part of the Detroit Pistons glory years. And I have a little bit of a, a clip from YouTube and I want to share it. He is uh, one of the greatest PA announcers in NBA history. And he'll always be known as the voice of the Pistons in their golden era as well at the Silverdome and the palace. And I'm going to play that clip right now. This is from the 1990, uh, one of their uh, lineups from the 1990 uh, season when they were back-to-back -back world champions. That clip was courtesy of the NBA and the Detroit Pistons. And uh, rest in peace to uh, Ken Calvert, uh, known as KC. And again, he did the Pistons games from 85 to 2001. And uh, his favorite Piston player to call, he had a unique one for all the Pistons, would be, I would say, I'm going to do this, and it's not as good as the late KC, would be a guard from McNeil, a guard from McNeil State, number four, Joe 
Dumars. And uh, it just, yeah, he's a legend in Detroit radio over these years. And uh, my condolences to his family and friends. And I just wanted to do a little bit of a tribute to Ken Calvert and the, uh, the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons again last night lost 119 to 111 at home at Little Caesars Arena to the Utah Jazz, a franchise record 25th straight loss. And they're now 2 and 26. And they're only two losses away from uh, tying the NBA record of 28 straight losses uh, by the Philadelphia 76ers. So I'm hoping the Pistons can win a game at some point. They were uh, winless in November and winless so far in December. And something's got to give with that organization. And uh, it all starts with management and the ownership and the GM's not saying much right now. But uh, And they've lost, I think, I believe they've lost 48 out of the last 54 games. So the Pistons right now are are in the last year and a quarter are 19 wins and 91 losses. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but Monty Williams, I don't think is the right coach for this team. And they signed him to a six year, $78 million contract. I am going to try to get some more people on from the Detroit media to talk about the state of the Pistons. This team has hit rock bottom. So hopefully they can turn it around at some point. As I'm going to wrap up this show, guys, the next live with CDP sports talk, Sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet and weeknights at 8 p.m. on radio station WQEE 99.1 FM. It will be Tuesday, December 26th, Boxing Day holiday here in Canada at 3 p.m. Eastern with my guest Steve Bermel, who I've already done an interview with at the KeyBank Center last week. He's a color analyst for the National Cross League's Buffalo Bandits on 1520 The Bet in Buffalo, along with play-by-play announcer John Gerkler. And he's also a color analyst on their CW23 uh, broadcast as well. And the Buffalo Bandits' next game will be next Friday, December 29th at 7.30 p.m. at the KeyBank Center against the Georgia Swarm again on 1520 the bet and Buffalo in the CW23 network as well. Also, live with CDP Sports Talk now is live streamed on Instagram. So if you follow me on Instagram, Chris Palma, you'll be able to watch my shows here as well. And we're going to wrap up the show in just a minute, guys. As always, Live with CDP Sports Talk is a weekly sports and entertainment talk show hosted by yours truly, Chris Palme. Weeknights from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key, the home of Southern sports and talk, the heartbeat of Atlanta. Our radio station's website is wqeefm.radio12345.com. Live with CDP Sports Talk is live streamed on these platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, slash X, LinkedIn, and now on Instagram. Again, follow me on Instagram, Chris Palme, and you'll be able to watch this show on Instagram as well. Also, you guys can follow my work on my website, beacons.ai slash Chris D. Palme. Live with CDP Sports Talk, again, is brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Automall. Check out barrycullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles or give them a call at 519-824-0210 or email them at info at barrycullen.com. And also at Barry Cullen Chevrolet right now, 
since winter is here, this is the first day of winter here on this December 22nd. You can get a set of four winter tires at Barry Cohen Chevrolet and possibly receive up to $125 in tire rebates, depending on the manufacturer of that tire. Again, more details at barrycullen.com as well. And I want to say thank you to Mark Cullen and Barry Cullen Chevrolet for sponsoring live with CDP Sports Talk the last 16 months as well. You can also follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP. I post a lot of my media work there, my promos. So I hope you can check me out on TikTok at Live with CDP. I think I do a pretty good job there with my content as well. StreamYard is the official live stream provider of Live with CDP Sports Talk. If you're into webinars or podcasting such as yours truly, check out StreamYard.com. Great customer service, great product. And uh, I highly recommend it for your podcast or radio show as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk, the audio version is available on these platforms. iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify for Podcasters, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, LinkedIn, Pandora, tuned in and again on WQEE 99.1 FM in Noonan, Georgia, weeknights from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. as well. You can also email or text live with CDP Sports Talk at cpame19 at gmail.com or you can text the show at 519-820-7188. Any comments, questions, suggestions, feedback, greatly appreciated as well. Also, guys, we have some NFL going on this weekend. Saturday, there's a couple games. Uh, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh at 4.30. That's a huge game. Pittsburgh is fighting for their playoff lives. And Cincinnati is 8-6. and six, And they're trying to get in without Joe Burrow. And then the 8-15 Saturday night game, we have the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen and James Cook at Los Angeles to take on the Chargers as well. And as for the Philadelphia Eagles, who are coming off three straight losses and a devastating 20-17 loss to Seattle this past Monday night, the Eagles were playing on Monday night or Monday afternoon at 4:30 on Christmas Day. It's going to be the five and nine Giants against the ten and four Eagles, and the Eagles desperately need this win to get back in the first in the NFC East and to try to get back to that number two seed in the NFC as well. And the uh, San Francisco 49ers this week, I believe, are playing the Baltimore Ravens, which is going to be a hell of a game. Both teams are 11-3, and three, and both teams have very good quarterbacks in Brock Purdy and Lamar Jackson. And uh, that could be a preview of the Super Bowl. Who knows? But as for the Buffalo Bills, if they keep playing the way they are and the way they played against Dallas and Buffalo can get into that playoffs, they're going to be a tough team to play as well. And as for the Eagles, I'm not counting them out yet. This is their first three-game losing streak under Nick Sarani since uh, 2021, so it's been over two years. And uh, hopefully they can get things turned around against the Giants. The Eagles' uh, three, last three games are against the Giants, at home to the Giants, then next week at home to the Cardinals, and then they're finished the regular season up against Tommy, De or Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants as well uh, in a couple weeks' time as well. And uh, I want to say thank you to everybody watching this live stream today and including my new audience on, on Instagram. So if you're not following me on Instagram, please follow me, Chris Pame on Instagram. And I'm also on threads as well, Chris Pame on threads. And also, guys, it is Christmas time. 
and I did join the Cameo family a couple of months ago. And if you'd like a personalized video message from yours truly, uh, check my profile out on Cameo. Uh, type in Chris Pome on Cameo, and uh, I look forward to some of your requests. And for some of you, I want to say I want to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays for, for those who don't celebrate Christmas. And I want to wish everybody a happy new year in 2024. And again, my next live CDP Sports Talk is going to be Tuesday, December 26th which is the Canadian Boxing Day holiday here at 3 p.m. with my guest, Steve Bermel, who I already did a, a quick interview with at the Key Bank Center last week in the uh, Buffalo Bandits 12-9 uh, to 9 win over the San Diego Seals in their um, home opener at the Key Bank Center. And if you've never been to a lacrosse league game, check out the Buffalo Bandits website, bandits.com, or come down to a game at the Key Bank Center. It's amazing. They average 17,000 fans a game, and they've won five uh, championships in their 31-year history. And a uh, shout-out to their PA announcer, too, Chris Swenson, who does a great job. He's been with them for 31 years. And John Gerkler has been the voice of the Bandits since 2004. And uh, I want to say thank you to Ryan Slobowski, uh, their manager of, media manager of media communications for setting setting me up with a media pass this year as well, and I'm really looking forward to it. But, hey, I want to say thank you again to my guest today, Tex Green from the uh, Basketball League's Raleigh Firebirds for coming on here today again. And check out his book, Overcoming Adversity 2010 R. 2010 NBA All-Stars, and you can look at it on Amazon or Noble and Barnes and perhaps um, chapters over here. I don't know if they call it chapters anymore, but again, that's about it. But hey, want to say thank you to everyone watching and listening to Live with CDP Sports Talk, and I'm excited to announce that I'm on Instagram now as well. So I am broadcast live streamed on now seven platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch, uh, Twitter slash X and Instagram. And uh, I'm working on getting on more platforms as well. And also speaking of that, I am looking for more local sponsors for Live with CDP Sports Talk. I'm on 20 platforms now and I have listeners in 30 countries across the world as well. And also some other news I want to share with you guys before I wrap this up. Um, I In the new year, I'm going to be doing some uh, public speaking for some local high schools in the Kitchener-Waterloo area, sharing them about my experiences and my career change into radio media at 51. And I'm so excited about that. When I was in school, in high school, in college, I hated public speaking. I avoided it like a plague. And now that I'm 51, I'm completely different. So it's never too late to change careers. Again, that's about it. I uh, just want to say thank you, everybody, for watching live stream and listening again on audio. And uh, I want to wish everybody again here a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year's. And I hope you guys uh, can tune into my next show, Season 7, Episode 18, Tuesday, December 26th, 3 p.m. Eastern with Steve Bermel the color analyst for the National Lacrosse League's Buffalo Bandits. I'm really excited about that. And again, uh, before we wrap this up, guys, I'm going to put the websites on for the Raleigh Firebirds. You can follow the uh, Raleigh Firebirds on Twitter at Raleigh Firebird without the D, number one. And their website, you can check out their website at RaleighFirebirds.net as well. I hope everybody has a great rest of the afternoon. 
and a great weekend and, and have a great Christmas. Happy holidays. And we'll see you back here on Boxing Day, Tuesday, November 26th at 3 p.m. with Steve Bermel from the Buffalo Bandits. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. And we'll talk to you on Boxing Day.